Uh, it is a joy to be able to spend this day together with you, the Sunday before Christmas. And I need everybody to go ahead and stand up where you're at right now. Please stand up. Without getting unhinged and wandering all over the place, turn around and say Merry Christmas to somebody near you. We're not going to leave here without that happening. All right. If you're watching online, type that in the comment section. All right, now you can sit back down. Thank you for not getting all loosed and bent. Appreciate that. So you came to church and somebody told you Merry Christmas, or at least yelled it in your general direction. You claim it. That's yours, all right? All right. If you have a Bible, go ahead and open it to Paul's letter to the Galatians, Galatians chapter 4. As we continue our series, A Thrilling Hope for a Weary World. A Thrilling Hope for a Weary World. Today, our focus is going to be on a thrilling hope fulfilled. And this is indeed good news for us. Good news for us to settle in and to rest in, to rejoice over. It points us to a God who is worth all of our reliance, that we can trust Him and hope in Him and cling to Him. Hold on to him in the midst of a wearying world. And so we're going to read a little bit about that together this morning. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. A thrilling hope fulfilled. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because your sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this truth. We thank you for your word And as we come to it, we pray that you would be with us right now. That right now you would do an incredibly grace-filled, transforming work in our hearts as we come to your word. We need you to be at work in us. Left to ourselves, we will make a mess or we'll quit or we'll be undone. But in you, God, you accomplish your good purposes in our lives. And so we come to your word praying that that would happen right now. So give us hope. May that hope thrill our souls. May we see you over it all, gracious and good. This we pray in Christ's name. Amen. At any point in this last year, have anybody in here been feeling overwhelmed about anything at all? Just a little bit? Just a pinch? You ever face something you just didn't know what to do, how to start it? Like you just feel so overwhelmed that you kind of get locked up in that? Maybe you've struggled with managing your kids at home for school. Your job is now at home at school, and you have to balance all of that. Or maybe the thought of going to a doctor's appointment or a grocery store visit seemed overwhelming to you because maybe your risks, your health risks are higher than others. Or maybe just all of the things that have transpired over the course of this year and the way that we can have such loud reactions to them have been overwhelming to you because you have family that think very differently and speak loudly than you. You felt overwhelmed. Overwhelmed with what to do and how to do it, where to start. 
We often respond to overwhelming moments with either a chaotic anxiety where we're frantically throwing everything into it, or we respond to overwhelming moments with this sort of stupefied paralysis where we don't move because we just don't know where to start. And maybe a little bit of all of that has taken place for you over the course of this year, and it just sort of leaves you wearied, wearied from overactivity, wearied from unsure what to even do. feels overwhelming at times. And in the midst of that, I think one of the things this year has brought to the surface for all of us is the reality that we are not in control. That we don't control things. And that all that has transpired over the course of this year has reminded us freshly that we really are not in control. And we want control. We want to be in control of the stuff going on in our lives. We don't like the feeling of not being in control. And it puts us in this overwhelmed feeling. Not being in control, or not being able to control, is hard to adjust to. Hard to adjust to in our actions, the way we go about living. It's also hard to adjust to in our attitudes and the manner in which we go about living. And we've all had to face a whole bunch of adjustments this year. It's overwhelming. Now I'm going to do you one better. Imagine then your sin and a holy God. You want to talk about something even more overwhelming. The predicament that that creates... Sinful people, holy God, is a gulf that is far more significant than any particular overwhelming moment that any of us in here have faced over the course of this year. It is so overwhelming to even consider what the, the, day, the distance and space between sinful people and a holy God. That's overwhelming times a kabillity jillion that exists. And we feel that. We feel are not in control. And we look at that situation, that gap, that distance, and we think, what can be done? Well, this year has brought us to see that we are not in control. Hopefully, though, in the midst of the course of this year, it has brought you to see that God is very much in control. And that nothing is happening outside of His control. Nothing actually in history is outside of God's control. And that God is working in and through history, in and through circumstances, in and through the things that we feel overwhelmed by to accomplish His good purposes. And no greater example of that is seen than what we celebrate during Advent in the arrival of Christ, in the arrival of promises fulfilled, in the advent of this thrilling hope that we have. That all the years in which we need an Advent season, an Advent series, this is the year. The year to be reminded that God is in control. That we can look in time and space and history and see that play out. And that's what our passage does for us. 
it brings us to see there is a God over it all. He's in control, and guess what? He's not overwhelmed. Not overwhelmed. And because God is in control, you and I, we can have hope right now, even as we struggle with feeling overwhelmed. You can do that struggle with hope. Because God is in control, we can have hope in Him now. Today's focus is a thrilling hope fulfilled. It is indeed the advent of promises fulfilled. The advent, the arrival of promises fulfilled. And we're going to move through our passage considering these things together, hoping that we get to that third point together. The first is this. The advent of promises fulfilled show us the importance of the fullness of time. That expression in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, is hugely significant for you and I in the big scope of things, but also in the right now hope of things, in the fullness of time. Secondly, that fullness of time will then help us see a salvation in full. Not half saved, not mostly saved, salvation in full. And then thirdly, hopefully, the fullness of time in its scope and purpose and the salvation in full will lead our hearts to have a hope that thrills right now. Not a a layaway hope for a future date, a right now hope that thrills right now because God is God over everything and in the fullness of time has brought a salvation in full. That's Advent for us. That's Advent for us right now. That's Advent for us in 2020. That's Advent for right now in the midst of feeling overwhelmed or feeling tired or feeling weary. It is a thrilling hope. It is the arrival of it for us now. And so let's dig into that together. Let's see how it unfolds for us together. First, we see there in Galatians 4.4, fullness of time. Fullness of time. And what do we find in the fullness of time? First, we find this, a redemptive history. A redemptive history. History is not a series of accidents that cause a bunch of other reactions and other accidents. History is so much more than that. There's actually one over all of history. And in history, what we see with Redemptive history is promises fulfilled. You may be wondering, what do I mean by redemptive history? Redemptive history is the progressing unfolding of God's plan to save his people from their sins. Redemptive history is the progressive. That means it's, it's, it's progressing, it's getting fuller, more and more is being revealed as it's getting closer and closer to being fulfilled. It's the progressive unfolding of God's plan Save his people from their sins. That's redemptive history. That's an incredible story. It gives us a sense of bearings in the course of what feels like a series of accidents and reactions and more accidents. It actually gives us a sense of direction. It gives us a sense of purpose. It gives us a sense of hope because God is over all of history. And in history... He set out to accomplish 
his purpose, his plan, his promise. And that promise is to save his people from their sin. It's a big story. It's a glorious story. It's what so many stories borrow from to tell their story. But our big story of the Scriptures, the big story of the Bible that's on your lap right now, has four very significant chapters to it. It helps us see the unfolding progression of God's plan being fulfilled in the person and work of Christ. Chapter 1 is the story of creation. The story of creation, where all things made by God's grace for God's glory with at the center of that creation, the apple of God's eye, mankind to enjoy God and glorify Him in a unique way in all of the cosmos. That chapter 1 on creation is a good chapter. It's actually a very good chapter. But chapter 2 comes along, and chapter 2 is a sad and a dark chapter. Chapter 2 is about the fall, where... The unbelief, rejection, and rebellion of mankind against God brings about death and separation, a darkness, a gloom, an anguish now hangs over all of creation. All of humanity, all of history is now in the the darkened gloom and anguish brought on by sin. It's a terrible chapter. It's a horrible chapter. But even in the midst of that horribly dark chapter, there is Yet the flickering flame of hope and promise that God says, I will one day bring an end to this dark day. And chapter 2 then gives way to chapter 3 of this incredible big story of God's redemptive history. And chapter 3 is the chapter on redemption. The promise is given in the darkened chapter of the fall. Bring, are being fulfilled in the chapter on redemption where God saves His people from their sin by arriving on the scene Himself in the flesh, in the person and work of Jesus Christ. You and I, we live right now in the light and, and awesomeness of this chapter. That's where our day is. As we read and and understand this big picture story, we're in chapter 3. And it's glorious and it's great. God has fulfilled what He promised. And that fulfillment will come to completion one great and glorious day. And that's chapter 4. And that is the chapter on restoration. When that Jesus who came to fulfill God's purposes returns once again, to make all things new. To fully eradicate sin. No more gloom. No more anguish. No more dark. Gone. What a story. Fullness of time springboards us into that glorious story. God, over all of history, was bringing about the fulfillment of this most remarkable story. And he does so through the person and work of Jesus Christ. This is good news. This is why Advent is such a delight. 
because it is God fulfilling what he promised. And in the midst of this story, we find out some things that are very important for us to better understand it. To better understand it, and that is we can't save ourselves. That's, that's one of the, the, the graces, if you will, of this story, is to help us understand that we cannot save ourselves, but God can save Context of Galatians is very important for us in light of understanding the fullness of time, understanding what God has set out to do. See, Paul, the apostle who wrote this letter, was writing it to a, a group of churches that were being impacted by teaching that was trying to bring a little bit of what you bring to the table into the chapter 3 on redemption. Saying that you, you have to do some stuff, you have to contribute and cooperate with what God promised to do in order to really be saved. So you have to kind of clean up your life, get it a little bit better, compare it to some others, and feel good about yourself and, and your standing with God. And, and Paul wrote very bluntly in this letter to say, that's all hogwash. You can't save yourself. You can't overcome the predicament of your sin. You can't. In order for you to do that, you actually have to live exactly and perfectly as God would have you live. Paul writes this letter to say, you can't. I love Galatians 3, 23 through 24, which is immediate context that's really leading into chapter 4 and what Paul says in our verses for this morning. But in, in chapter 3, verses 23 and 24, he says this, Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law. We have to live according to God's standard perfectly in order to be saved of our own accord. We're under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian, old translations would say tutor, until Christ came in order that we may be justified by faith. God gives us the law to show us how much we need God. Not to show us, hey, this is how you can do it. If you just follow this all the way through perfectly, then we're good. I mean, yes, in theory, absolutely. But the reality of our sin, it's so deep, it's impacted everything. You can't. You can't do it. You can't do it. So the law is driving us to what God would want us to see in Christ. What Paul is doing is showing that following the law won't save you. That God's standards are too strong for any of us to follow. That there's no way you or I or anyone can keep them in order to be saved. The law drives us then to consider our woeful condition. We are desperate, held in captive, heaps of trouble because we can't keep what God demands. And this is actually good. Helps us see just what we need. We need rescued. We need redeemed. And God is full of love and grace and promise and fulfillment to do it. While we can't save ourselves, God does through Christ. Because Christ saves. And Christ is to be the sole object 
of our faith. That's what's so important about what comes after then fullness of time in our verses. Look again at verse 4 and 5 about this Jesus, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. God in the flesh, born of a woman, meaning he came and he entered all the way down into our humanity, therefore identifying with us, rather than saying, hey, here's my standard, you need to get up to me, the incarnation, the advent is God coming all the way down to where we are in our broken, woeful humanity and putting it on and identifying with us. Then also says, born under the law. So Jesus didn't come down and, and do the ultimate Jesus juke of all time and just sort of casually live out his life. No, he came down and he lived out the very law we were held captive under, unable to do for ourselves. He entered all the way in our weakness and our humanity, identifying with us in every way. He was tempted to sin in every way, yet was without it. And he put himself under the very law he spoke. He didn't juke it. It wasn't hologram Jesus. It was skin and bone Jesus living out the life that we couldn't live. Born of a woman. Born under law to redeem. He came to save and to rescue. He entered all the way in to bring us all the way out. He didn't meet us halfway. He came all the way down. And that was the plan. And the advent of Christ is the fulfillment of that promise and plan. It is a redemptive history. I could keep going on it, but I have more notes. Anyway, that redemptive history, fullness of time, is also for us a relevant hope. A relevant hope to see the scope over the course of history brings to us a relevant real-time, right-now hope. Most normal years, this time of the year, can be a challenging one. There are all kinds of seasonal pulls. Maybe we feel weary and empty when it gets to this time of the month or year, excuse me. Or we feel alone and down when we're at this time of the year. Or we feel anxious and distracted when we're at this time of the year. Or we feel complacent and indifferent at this time of the year. In most normal years, many of us struggle with those things. And so maybe, just going on a hunch here, that there are many of us struggling with these things normally, but then like on steroids to the nth degree, because this year has been filled with so many obstacles and challenges and distance and everything. And so maybe, just maybe, you're feeling weary and empty, alone and down, anxious and distracted, complacent and indifferent. And you think, well, where is a real-time, relevant, right-now hope? Well, the good news about the fullness of time is that God is over everything in history. Nothing in history, in creation, in time, in space, anywhere is outside of His control. 
And that matters greatly to us in our real time right now. So our hope is directly connected to the God who is over all things, not overwhelmed by all things. A couple of questions that we can ask ourselves to help us see just how real time right now this relevant hope is for us. Question number one, if we're feeling all these seasonal pulls. Question number one is, is God in control? Is God in control? In the gospel, that is the good news, the advent of Christ, His life, His death, His resurrection, the fulfillment of God's purposes, promises, and plans. That good news, that gospel says, yes! Yes, God is in control. The gospel that you are clinging to, holding on to, that's brought you life, says God is in control of all the things that could have like, upended God's plan for salvation. Nothing did because nothing could because God is in control. You have to rehearse these truths to your heart when you feel hope is far and circumstances are overwhelming, you ask yourself, is God in control? And you look at the gospel and you say, yes, He is. Second question. Will I hope in Him now? And the gospel that says to you, God is in control, says Yes, here's how. Here's how you hope in God now. You fix your faith, your hope, your trust on Jesus who did for you what you could never do, who paid for what you could never pay, who overcame what you could never overcome, who defeated what you could never defeat, who gives what you could never gain, who prepares a place where you could never go, who's going to come back and bring you there one great and glorious day. So that means there's no day for you, believer, trusting in Jesus, in which Jesus is not your relevant, real-time, right-now hope, even if things around you are crazy or things inside of you are. Because God is in control. And the gospel tells you so. Because you can hope in Him now, and the gospel shows you how. Fix your faith, your gaze, your thoughts, your affections on Jesus. Because He fulfills what God purposed and promised and planned before time even began. Good news. All wrapped up in that little expression, fullness of time. And that fullness of time gives way to a salvation in full. Salvation in full. Not in part, not mostly, in full. Our passage gives us two pictures of how full this salvation is. One, it's in redemption, to redeem And two, it's for reception, it's for adoption. To redeem and for adoption. First, to redeem. How full is this salvation? Well, Paul says here 
that Jesus came to redeem. That is, to pay in full all that was owed. To pay in full. The Greek word, therefore, redeem, is a hugely theologically significant word. It means to pay the price to recover from the power of another. To redeem someone or something, one must come along and pay the full price to recover that person or that something back from the power of another. In the advent of Jesus, He came to redeem, to pay the price to recover His people from the power of their sin and the judgment of God on that sin. He came to pay in full all that was owed for their sins. He didn't come to pay in part, and He didn't come to pay most of. He didn't come to pay 97% of. He came to pay 100% because that's what redeem requires. 100% paid in full, no layaway, no future payment. It has to be paid in full now. And Jesus came and paid in full. A debt was paid. A penalty was satisfied. A power was broken. Through the Son sent forth, born of a woman, born under law, to pay the price in full. And friends that are here, are watching, are listening, that are considering, there is no interest rate with Jesus What he pays, he pays in full, and we never pay it back. We just enjoy the freedom from debt that God has graciously provided fully, finally, forever. Paid in full. How does he do that? Well, I love Colossians 2.14. Colossians 2.14 says, By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He paid it in full by taking his perfect life and laying it down as the payment. And that was sufficient for all his people. But there's more to this full salvation. Not only does he pay in full to redeem but he does so so that we would receive adoption. It's not just that we're given freedom, but we're also given family. God's family. This is both a legal transaction and a relational reality. Much like in our society now, adoption comes with it a very legal course of actions. A declaration is made in the process of adopting. And for us, a declaration now says you belong to God. You don't belong to the world. You don't belong to your sin and its consequences. You don't belong to your past. You belong to God. Why? Because He paid in full to recover you. And He brings you into His family. And with that new standing comes the bestowal of rights that go to a son and daughter. What belongs now to Christ you share in. The perfect relationship among Father, Son, and Spirit you are now welcomed into to enjoy for all eternity. I don't really know if we can ever get our minds around that. 
This is glorious, incredible, in full. And it also brings a relational reality to it. It's not just a courtroom drama, but a family feel-good story that the legal standing of adoption gives way to the relational experience of having the Father's ear. You, in the living room of God, welcomed in because Jesus has saved you. No longer an orphan in the world trying to make do, but you have now been brought into the family of God and you have the Father's ear. You are considered a treasured son and a precious daughter. The world works overtime to define who we are, to say, here, you can define who you are. And our hearts are deceitful, and they can grab a hold of some of those things, and it can wreck us for years and decades and whatnot. And some of those consequences, we don't even know how deep they will be. The world defines, the heart deceives, but the Father bestows His love on His children. What amazing, full salvation. So, in light of the fullness of time and what that like catapults us into seeing and, and savoring in God's Word, in history, and in light of the salvation in full, my hope is that right now, not that your circumstances are all perfectly eased over and there's nothing but comfort and joy, but that in the midst of whatever your circumstances might be right now, in whatever condition your heart feels and, and is, that there would be right now the beginning embers of a hope that thrills because God is in control over everything and He brings about a salvation in full. And He welcomes you into His very family. So my hope is that it is a hope that thrills. For many of us, this part of the year is a sort of, sort of wrapped up sense of coming home. Coming home for the holidays. Your hope that thrills can come home with you right now. Now I know many of us here, we will be missing that feeling of either going home or having family come home to you. And I also know that some of us in here don't really know that feeling. And we definitely, we see it play out for profit in the holiday season, which causes us to sink in sorrow or to harden in resentment, because we don't have that experience, that history, or know that feeling. So coming home actually provokes our hearts. This year, I think all of us are going to ache. Maybe you've already ached because you've made decisions about what you're not doing this week. I think all of us in here are going to long and look forward to a new day, a new day beyond COVID and pandemics and restrictions, a new day beyond the sinful destruction of our world, a new day beyond the sin that lingers and lurks around in our own hearts that it causes us to long for this. Well, hopefully, as we consider this, hopefully, as we see the scope of God in the fullness of time and the salvation in full, that it causes us to have a hope that thrills right now, even as and most especially when we long.
Because right now, you who are in Christ, you have the Spirit in you. Right now. Working in you right now. To have this real and affectionate hope right now. Romans 5, 5. Hope does not put us to shame. You placing your hope in all that God has fulfilled for you in Christ will not leave you out in the cold. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit has been given you now experience the intimacy of knowing God. And as you experience his love for you, you are also an heir. That, that chapter 3 of redemption will move into chapter 4, restoration. And that will be a glorious day. So sure is what God has fulfilled for you in Christ that it's joy will fill all eternity. Whether you are facing the socially distant doldrums of our current day, distracted with its restrictions, be sure to listen to the sounds of Advent for their melodies and harmonies. You will hear in them a hope that thrills. As we sang earlier, good Christian friends, rejoice. Rejoice with heart and soul and voice. Now ye of endless bliss, joy, joy, Christ was born for this. He has opened heaven's door. And we are blessed forevermore. Christ was born for this. Christ was born for this. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, and we thank you that you reveal to us your purposes. You reveal to us your promise, your plan, and you reveal to us how you fulfill it in Jesus Christ. And I pray that our hearts would be fixed on him through faith, and that you, by the work of the Spirit in us, would, would help us to know and experience a hope that thrills in the midst of a wearying world. Oh God, you are good. You are overall. And the gospel leads us to see how we can hope in you now. And I pray that this week would be the evidence of that grace in us, a thrilling hope in a weary world. This we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Before we have our benediction, just a couple of quick announcements. One, I hope to see you all, for those who are able to uh, and willing to gather with us again on Thursday, December 24th for our Christmas Eve service. We'll be meeting at 7 p.m. in here. You'll need to sign up just like you did to come to this service. Uh, if you have any problems or questions, please go ahead and contact me. We'll be sure uh, to make it work out for you as best as we can. Uh, so again, I hope to see you all on Thursday, Thursday, Christmas Eve, 
for an encouraging time of song, of scripture, and of a thrilling hope. And then in the coming weeks, uh, going into January, um, we are going to just pull back some of the things that we have been doing. It's a natural break because of the holidays, but we're going to extend that out a, a few weeks or a couple of weeks into January just to care for uh, the rising COVID numbers and, and, and just to provide, continue to provide as best as we can safe environment to gather for worship. So we will continue doing our corporate worship gatherings on Sundays, both 10.30 and 5, um, and uh, we will reassess in the new year and then sort of ease back into some of the things that we were doing uh, as appropriate. If you have any questions on that, please reach out to myself or to the elders uh, of our church at elders at trinitynh.org, or if you know some of them personally, certainly reach out to them. All right, that being said, please stand. As we close with our benediction, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Amen. Amen.